Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. So today's Gospel which comes to us from Matthew chapter 12. It's one passage, it's one historical event, like one scene in, in, the, in the history of the life of Jesus, but it's really two separate stories. And when I say that, let me read to you the first couple verses in the story. It said, Then one was brought to Jesus, who was demon-possessed, blind, and mute. So one was brought to Jesus, who was what? Demon-possessed, blind, and mute. Sometimes we just read over stuff really quick. What would be the lifestyle, what would be the quality of life of someone who is demon-possessed, blind, and mute? Like, if you had any one of these, this is a major deal. Like, someone who is demon-possessed, that's a horrible life. Someone who is blind, that's a horrible life. Someone who is mute, that's a horrible life. And this guy had not strike one, strike two, but strike three against him, that he had demon-possessed, he couldn't see, and he couldn't speak or hear. So this guy, if he prayed his whole life, and he finally got his sight back, he still would be demon-possessed and mute. And if he prayed even more, and he's, he got rid of the mute, he still would be demon-possessed. So this guy was about as low as it gets. Okay, Jesus healed him. Some, sometimes Jesus would heal a man who was, everything was good, but he was paralyzed. And we would say paralyzed is a big deal, but compared to this guy, paralyzed, you're okay. Okay, because you only got one thing you got to worry about. Okay, or a blind guy, or a mute guy, or a leper guy. But this guy, what were the three again? Demon-possessed, blind, and mute. The next word, and he, he healed. One shot. Not three separate miracles, one shot. That might not have even been a shot. We don't even see. Maybe, I don't know, did Jesus touch him? We don't know. Did he say a word? Did he sneeze? Blink an eye? Like, we don't even know. But we know that someone, demon-possessed, blind and mute, in one second, before we finished the first verse of the gospel, in one second, the guy was healed. And so the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. And all the multitudes were blank. All the multitudes were blank. What would be your reaction if I brought someone in who his whole life was demon-possessed, blind and mute, and in one second, he was healed. All the multitudes were what? Amazed. They were amazed. And rightly so. Because this is an incredible miracle. And their response was, what did they say? When they were amazed, they said, could this be son of David? This is the first gospel story. It's two verses, and it should be what we're focusing on. This should be it. This should be amazing miracle Jesus came into this town, demon-possessed, blind, and mute, no hope of anything in life. Jesus touched him. Jesus said whatever. He's healed. Is this the son of David? Could this be the Messiah? Are all our problems answered in this man? That should be the story. But that's not the majority of the gospel. The majority of the gospel is what? That was two verses. What was the rest of the gospel? Amazing Jesus? What was the demeanor of the rest of the gospel? If you weren't paying attention, I bring the guy back here and he reads it again. You want me to bring the guy back? What was the rest of the, de what was the, rest of the demeanor of the gospel? Was Jesus happy? 
Was it a, was it a celebration day? Was it a, they said, let's mark this day in the Cynicarium as the day the demon possessed the blind and the mute. Let's write this day down. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Is that what happened? I'll read to you just some snippets from the rest of the day. Jesus said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Oh, let me go back to this where I want to hear. He talked about, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. He talked about brood of vipers. He talked about, it seems it's, he sees a strange word. Jesus spoke about an unforgivable sin today. An unforgivable sin. I don't know about you, but if you open every page of the Bible, from page one to page whatever the last page is, everything from page one to the end is all about the forgiveness of God. If you've ever read any part of the Bible. Every part from beginning to end is all about the forgiveness of God. That's the summary of the Bible in a nutshell, is that man sinned and God forgave. And God restored, and God redeemed, and that's the story of everything. But in today is the only time, the only time I see in all the Bible the word unforgivable. And this is the same Jesus. I'll read you the verse. Every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven him. And in case you're wondering, did Jesus just slip up? And was it like a, he spoke too fast? Was it like a error? Did he mean to pull it back? He comes back and says it again. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. My question to you is, what happened? What happened in the story? What happened? What happened? Amazing, miracle, miraculous, joy, demon-possessed, blind, and mute. Then all of a sudden, you got angry Jesus. You got harsh Jesus, brood of vipers Jesus. Like, where's Samaritan woman Jesus? We love Samaritan woman Jesus. Drink of the water. Where's, where's Jesus on the cross saying, Father, forgive them? Like, even that was forgivable. They crucified Jesus, forgivable. But this was unforgivable. What I want to talk about today, briefly, is this unforgivable sin. Whatever the Pharisees and the Jews did right here was bad. So bad that it made the source of all forgiveness say unforgivable sin. So what I want to do, because I know sometimes people have questioned what is the unforgivable sin and did I, what is the unforgivable sin? Three questions. What is the unforgivable sin? Number two, why is it so bad? And three, most important, am I doing it? Because that's really what it comes down to. First of all, what is the unforgivable sin? What is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? Sometimes people will come to me and say, you know, I think I did something really bad. What happened? They said, I did blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. What, what happened? When I was in third grade, the teacher said this, and then I said, I don't believe. You know, I don't believe, or something like that, or I had this thought, and I worried. That's not blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Okay, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Anything that, that's this, it's not a mouth thing, it's a heart thing. It's not a mouth thing, it's a heart thing. Mouth things are forgiven. Okay, because Peter would be the prime example of someone who blasphemed God with his mouth. That was forgiven quickly. So it wasn't that his mouth said something. It wasn't that, like I said, in third grade you said something or you played that game with your friends at that sleepover. That's not this. It's not a mouth thing. It's a heart thing. And it's a repeated thing that the Pharisees did repeated over and over and over and over. And eventually, as Jesus said here, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So eventually it comes out the mouth. But it's not a mouth sin. It's a heart sin. So the key to understanding the sin was the middle verse, which I didn't show you. I read to you two verses, okay? 
Jesus did a great miracle, blind, demon-possessed, and mute was healed. Could, and people amazed, could this be the son of David? And then I read to you the rest about the brood of vipers and all that. What was the transition verse? What did the Pharisees say that triggered Jesus, that set him off? When the Pharisees heard it, they said, what did they say? This, 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 this. They said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. They said, this fellow, which fellow I think is a funny way, but okay, we'll let that one slide. This fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. So what did they do? What does that mean in layman's term? What did they do? What was their sin? What do you think their sin was? What was their sin? Why is that so bad? They saw a miracle. Did they deny the miracle? Did they say a miracle did not take place today? No. Did they say he did a magic trick? It didn't, the guy, it was a trick. The guy wasn't really healed. They denied the source of the miracle. They denied the source of the miracle. A miracle took place. Nobody disagrees with that. This happened. This man walked in. He said this. This was the result. Nobody denies it. What they denied was the source of the miracle. The source was not from above. The source was from beneath. The source was not divine. The source was something other and insignificant. The source was, wasn't from God. They didn't deny what? They denied the source of what had happened. If you go to the dictionary, the word blasphemy is defined as follows. It says, depriving something of its sacred character. Blasphemy, blasphemy means to deprive something of its sacred character. Meaning something is sacred, something is holy, and you say, no, it's not holy. It's not sacred. It's not divine. That's blasphemy. And that's what these guys did. Because here something happened. Here something was evident in front of all. It was clear in front of their eyes. It was clear as day. But they didn't say it didn't happen. What they said is, that's not from God. Why is that important to us? Let me tell you a story. One time someone came to me and they told me that basically, long story short, they ended up with a nice situation happened to them at work. Okay, they got a promotion they were waiting for. They got some bonus or something. They came into a lot of extra money. So I said, oh, that's great. Congratulations. Like, I'm very happy for you. Like, that's great. And then they asked me, do I need to give all this money to the church? And luckily, I didn't answer right away. Because my initial reaction was going to be, as a general rule, if you got come into a lot of money, do you have to give it all to the church? The answer is no. Someone said yes. Thank you. Whoever said yes. Very good. <laughs> I appreciate that. But no. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't give all my money to the church. I give a percentage of my money to the church. I try to be as generous as possible, but I don't give all my money to the church. So I'd be a hypocrite if I said, you should give all your money to the church. And that's a general answer. But something made me pause when this person asked the question. So I said, why do you ask? And then this person proceeded to tell me a series of signs that God gave them that they're supposed to give all the money to the church. So then when I heard that and I said, you know what? You should give all the money to the church. Not because I'm telling you, but because God is telling you. Then I started to dig deeper with the person. And what I discovered is God made it clear to that person that you should do this. 
So what did that person do? Ask somebody else. And then God made it clear through that. The person said, I'm going to pray about it. And God made it clear. And that person told me that they, like two or three times, said, God, if you want this, this sign. And that sign happened. So then at that point in time, you're not trying to discern the will of God. At that point in time, you're not listening. At that point in time, you are deciding that voice of God, that, that what just happened in front of you, is that sacred or not sacred? Is that divine or not divine? And very easy to say, no, that's not the voice of God. That's the voice of my priest. No, that's not the voice of God. That's the voice of, that's the voice of just my wife. That's just my wife nagging about whatever it may be. That's just my husband. They don't know anything. That's just my kids. They're just kids. No, 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 no. We're going to play games? That's what the Pharisees did. The Pharisees played games. The Pharisees did not want to see the hand of God. The Pharisees took something sacred and said it's not sacred. Would never be us, right? Sometimes people ask me, I saw a homeless person. What should I do? Should I help the homeless person? Do I help every homeless person? And my answer is no. I'm not saying you have to help every homeless person. I'm not saying that. I don't help every homeless person. But what I'm saying is, whatever you should do, every time you see a homeless person, you should lift your heart to God and say, God, do you want me to help this person? And if he says yes, you help them. If he says, no, you don't. There's no blanket rule. <clears throat> should I end this relationship? Should I quit this job? Should I get up early and pray? Should I turn off the TV? Should I change this habit? Those are all questions that God has answers to. But what I discovered is the Pharisees, if we don't want to be like them, the Pharisees didn't really want to know the answer to those questions. They wanted to justify their own opinion versus truly understand the will of God. And you see it throughout their life. Jesus came in and said, repent. Kingdom is at hand. Repent. 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 Unless you repent, you will likewise, all likewise perish. They said, no, we will not repent. We don't need to repent. You're crazy. We don't need to listen to you. Jesus came in and said, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. They said, we don't care. We like sacrifice more than mercy. And we can justify it because we got this Bible verse and this Bible verse. And we got Aaron and we got Moses. We got this, we got this. So you get out of here, man. You, what you're saying is not sacred. Jesus came, Jesus came in and said that with me and my kingdom, all are equal. There's no rich and there's no poor. There's no male and there's no female. There's no Jew and Gentile. All of the same. They said, no, you don't know what you're talking about. These people are better than these people. And these people are worse than these people. And we, again, we have historical evidence as to why. And in fact, we have even some Bible verses. I told you all this before. I told you this before. You know what I'm about to say. You tell me what you want to do in life. You tell me what you want to do. I will find you four Bible verses to support you. Tell me whatever it is that you want. You can find a Bible verse to support anything that you want. But we playing games? That's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. When I don't really want to know the voice of God. When God speaks, I'm like, that's not God. When God makes it clear, I'm like, that's not from God. When God sends Simon, I'm like, that's not from, that's from the devil. That's not from God. And that is the unforgivable sin. Why is that the unforgivable sin? It's not the unforgivable sin in that it's the worst thing. It's the unforgivable sin in that once you go that route, there's no forgiveness because you are denying the path to forgiveness. Like Jesus said that the, the, the sins against the Son of Man, that's okay. We'll let that one go. But sins against the Spirit... He's not saying that the Holy Spirit is higher than the Son. Or the Father, obviously, it applies to the Father. He's not saying the Holy Spirit is the highest, so you mess with him. You mess. He's not saying it that way. It's not that the Holy Spirit is the greatest as much as the Holy Spirit is the latest. 
Meaning, at the beginning, the father said, one, two, three, four, five. People disagreed. People said, we're not going to do that. We're going to break the commandments. That's okay. Jesus, the Son of God, came into this world, and he preached, and he told them. And they said, we crucify you. Jesus said, that's okay. But now I'm sent with the Holy Spirit. So you reject the Holy Spirit. You rejected the Father. You rejected the Son. Now you reject the Holy Spirit. There's no one left that's coming. Like, that's the end of the road right here. The Holy Spirit is going to point you back to Christ. Is going to point you back to the Father. So if you resist that, if you resist the work of God, the Holy Spirit that's working today, that's kind of the end. There's no, there, there, there's no next chapter in the story. <clears throat> Sometimes there are certain decisions that make no sense. Sometimes there are certain decisions where all of logic is on that side. But there's one thing on this side, and that is God said all of logic. Convince yourself. Justify it. The pros and the cons. The Excel spreadsheet. All of logic. Everything you looked it up online, you even went to the chat GPT thing and it told you that's the right decision. And on this side of the scale, you have one thing. God said. And I'm asking you this because I love you. I'm asking you this. Can you think of any example in life where you made a decision solely because God said so. I guarantee you, there are times in life where God is saying, and logic is all over there, but this here God is saying, can you think of at least one time in your life where you made a decision that people told you it doesn't make sense? Where your logic said, the one thing on this side was God said. <clears throat> Abraham, leave your land. Logic, no. Family, no. Sarah, no. Everything, no. Why'd you do it? God said. Worked out pretty good for him, didn't it? Moses, go talk to Pharaoh. That's the last person I'm going to talk to if I'm Moses. I go talk to anybody except Pharaoh. I go and I start a grassroots campaign. Maybe I start fundraising. Maybe I pick it. Like, whatever it is. The last thing I'm going to do is march into Pharaoh's office. But you did it, Moses. Why? Because God said so. And how'd it work out for you? Peter walking on water. The one thing you don't do when you're in a boat is get out. That's the one thing you don't do. You got out. Why? Logic? Swim lessons? One thing. God said so. That's it. God said so. I want you to have the joy that Abraham, Moses, Peter had. So I want you to have one thing in your life at least where you can say, I did this solely because God said so. <clears throat> now, how can I tell if I'm blaspheming the Holy Spirit? How can I tell if that's me? How can I tell if I'm ignoring God? How can I tell if I'm, because, because the, the, the verse, the heart is deceitful above all else and desperately wicked, who can know it? Like the mind can play tricks on you. Like how do I know? I can, get, can convince myself of anything. Well, I have an answer for you. Let's go back to that first verse that I read a minute ago. Jesus did this great miracle, demon possessed, blind, and mute. And how did the crowd respond? Said, and they were all, amazed. They were amazed because they witnessed the act of God. I don't, I'm going to say this and I can't give you a practical, but I, I just, when was the last time you were amazed by God? Be honest. When was the last time that you said, God is, ah, uh, when was the last time that somebody asked you how you're doing and you didn't say, oh, my work, 
and my back and my neck and my neck and my back and my knees and my wife and my kids. And... But you said, someone said, how are you? You said, God is amazing. Amazing. Because here's the thing. Like, I'm a logical person. God only does amazing. God, by definition, is amazing. So either, if there's, ama if there's no amazing, there's no God. If you don't see amazing, then you don't see God. Because God is only amazing. And while he may not always seem amazing in the moment, anyone who's lived with God for any period of time knows that you stick with God. Again, Moses, Abraham, Peter, every single person. Me, you, every single person. Every single person. If given time, which we're not, but if we did give time, should be able to stand up here for at least a minute or two and speak about the amazing work that God has done in their life. And that doesn't mean that every day is sunny. That means you may go through trials, you may go through tribulations, but I'm telling you, I see this all the time with my own eyes. I see people go through hard times, hard times. And I see some people that say, God is amazing. And I'm like, how? Your life stinks, like it's miserable. No, God is amazing. You don't know, and you just see the outside, but God is amazing. And my question to you is, when was the last time you were amazed by God? When was the last time you were amazed by God? Last night, Vesper Gospels. Anybody know where it came from? Matthew, very good. Was that a boon or dead? Okay, very good. Very good. Matthew, very good, Michael. Okay. Matthew chapter 7. Famous passage. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. To him who knocks it will be opened. In other words, Jesus is saying is... I'm working. You, sit, you don't see me working doesn't mean I'm not working. I'm opening. I'm giving. Like anyone who asks receives. I'm giving. Anyone who knocks, it will be opened. Anyone who seeks will find. Like I'm, I'm giving. I'm giving. I'm working. The question is not am I working. The question is do you see it? Do you see my hand working? Or you attribute it to the devil? Or you attribute it to coincidence? Or you attribute it to that's nothing? Do you see the hand of God working? Because I guarantee you it's working. Rest of that passage. Jesus says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who's in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Again, another way of saying is, I, listen, this is, this, I'm going to say from God's perspective, okay? But I'm, okay. God is saying this to every single one of us. I am actively working in your life. I am actively working in your life. I am actively working in your life. But do you see it or you don't see it? And if you don't see it, it's because you choose not to see it. It's because you don't want to see it sometimes. Because you don't really want to end that relationship. You don't really want to quit that job. You don't really want to give the way that lady wanted, was supposed to give. You don't really want to slow down. You don't really want to apologize. You don't really want to accept an apology. That was the Pharisees. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is. It's not a mouth thing, it's a heart thing. It's denying something of its, depriving something of its sacred character. It's when God works, and again, I say, that's not God. That's just my uh, annoying priest, okay? That, or, no, what that verse really means. You ever said that one? Okay, what that verse really means. It just means that. No, no, what it really means. Because I saw a YouTube video that told me it means this. Okay, that is a million, believe me. You can convince yourself whatever it is that you want to convince. Just like these Pharisees. But the truth is always clear. My hope and my prayer is that I can be sensitive to the voice of God and the work of God in my life. 
And by the way, something else is just, there, this is why we always talk about the importance of spending regular time with God, your quiet time. If you don't have quiet time with God, then you're going to really struggle with this because it's in that time where we slow down, at that time where we open our Bible, the time that we stand in front of God in prayer. That's where the voice of God speaks. And if we don't ever slow down enough, then you walk around and you say, no, God isn't speaking and God isn't working. Is it God isn't speaking or isn't working? Or is that you can't see him because he's over here in the quiet time. So this is why we need to slow down. That's why we need to put away our phones. This is why we need to wake up a little bit early. That's why we need to turn off that TV. That's why we need to spend time with God so that we can be sensitive to the voice of God. Because I promise you, God is working. God is active. Either God is alive or God is dead. Who thinks God is dead? Very good. Then if he's alive, then he's working. Because God doesn't sit on the couch. God doesn't just sit there and twiddle his thumbs. God isn't in study hall somewhere. God is active and he is working. He is working. And he is working in your life and in my life. And the question is, are we able to see it and hear it and ascribe to God that sacred character that he is due? Glory be to God forever. Amen. Actually, no, sorry, 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 sorry. One more thing. Just... <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. One more thing. Sorry, sorry. I don't always look at my notes, but if I look at my notes, there's a verse that I want everyone to remember. I give you a verse to walk away with. Sorry, 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 sorry. That's just to keep you on your toes. <laughs> Hebrews 4, 7. Repeat after me. Hebrews 4, 7. Hebrews what? Hebrews 4, 7 says, Today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. All together with me. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. That's what I want us to walk away with. And now, glory be to God forever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.